Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Claudia Shambaugh hosting today's edition, April 30th, 2013, of uh, Ask a Leader's Edition. Happy 80th birthday, either side of midnight. Uh, that was last night to Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, and congratulations, Jason Collins on breaking the rainbow barrier in professional sports as an active player, that is. Today, we have the pleasure of learning from a heady pair of guests about some breakthrough pedagogies with Ms. Heidi Campbell, founder of the nonprofit ITT Autism, and Dr. Howard Shane from Boston Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. The second half will go into the art world, first with Stefan Baxter with an exhibit opening this week in Fullerton. Art with an Agenda presents love, sex, unity, respect in support of marriage equality and the Orange County's LGBTQ community. And lastly, Rosemary Swim, president of Laguna Plein Air Painters Association, will post us on the November, on the May, whew, May 4th Plein Air event in Laguna Beach. And before I head into my traditional station break, I'd like your attention to our all-important pledge drive here at KUCI. As you heard with our thumbs up and down, thumbless uh, picture and uh, the pre-recorded segment, over the last two years, we've had lost 20% of our in university funding. We surely would like some of that back, all of it back in the way of uh, your contributions because we need to keep everything working so that we get as good as we get here on the radio station. We can make up some of that with your support, please. Now for the break, don't go away because we'll be right back after a short interlude. Back to the show, Ask a Leader. My first guests today are... Heidi Campbell, Ms. Heidi Campbell, and Dr. Howard Shane, who collaborate on a new pedagogical approach for autistic students, both of whom talked to us in advance of a special forum presented in Newport Beach on May 9th. I'll get you more details in a bit. Heidi Campbell graduated from Chapman University, uh, uh, graduated in liberal studies, and she has 15 years of experience teaching music and academics at Cardin Hall nearby in Newport Beach, where Heidi has won two awards in excellence in teaching. She's the mother of six-year-old, do the math folks, six-year-old triplets, one of whom is moderately autistic with apraxia of speech. And as the founder of and the head of innovative tech, teaching technology for autism, that's ITT Autism, when you're searching around afterward in the show on the web, uh, supports autistic children in the public schools and in the hospital setting. She joins her collaborator, Dr. Shane, uh, Howard Shane, who received his PhD from Syracuse University and completed a doctoral fellowship at Mayo Clinic. At Children's Hospital, he is the director of the Center for Communication Enhancement and the Autism Language Program. At, uh, he has designed more than a dozen computer applications used widely by persons with disabilities and holds two U.S. patents. On the international lecture circuit, Dr. Shane has produced numerous computer innovations for persons with complex communication disorders. Dr. Shane comes to us today from Boston, and Ms. Heidi Campbell joins me here in Studio A. Welcome, both of you, to Ask a Leader. Thank you so much for having us. It's nice to be here. Okay. It's good to have both of you on. We're going to cover all that we can in this first half of the hour. Well, Heidi, I know from experience, we don't know where we're headed when we are faced with complex developmental issues as new parents. 
you as an educator likely had an idea that your son, unlike his siblings, had some difficulties that needed special attention. So can you briefly, because we're going to cover a whole lot of others that IT okay. Towns is doing, okay. can you briefly tell us about how you sorted out the snake oil from the actually promising therapies and interventions? Well, basically what happened with Noah was he, he was very much delayed in speech, and he was also very withdrawn. So it actually was a good friend of mine who said, you know, you really need to get moving on this because as a family, we collaborated that, okay, it'll come eventually. Dad was delayed in speech. And it really wasn't until I went to a summit at UCI where I heard Dr. Shane speak where I really knew that something needed to be done and this was a man who could help me, help my son. So that was a big help, yes. And so you had to you had to both keep your eyes peeled for resources out there and you mm-hmm. and you couldn't be everywhere all the time with those triplets that you're responsible for and uh, you know uh, be able to know well which one which ones we're going to have some really um, valuable approaches versus uh, I, when I said snake oil I wasn't kidding because I think we're mm-hmm. all real susceptible to what's out there that's going to have meaning for uh, intervening for our children. Well, one thing that ITT Autism wants to address is that when you receive the diagnosis, you know, the the neurologist who's helping you basically hands you a bunch of business cards and says, you know, you need to do this, you need to go, you know, have them assessed for this, OT, speech, and you're, you're very overwhelmed. Some parents are very, you know, they're looking for the diagnosis and they have a general idea of what they want to do, but a lot of parents are overwhelmed and they feel kind of idle, which was my experience. And the other thing I experienced was I didn't know if making the right decision, I wouldn't know until six months down the line if I was doing the right thing. So that first year after the official diagnosis was rough. And everybody's telling you all on the sidelines, oh, they'll grow out of it. Oh, it's not oh. an issue. You're overreacting. That kind of, so there's a whole, and your children, uh, being triplets, they're all a little bit delayed anyway, developmentally. So it's hard for you to know something's really going on. Well, my my girls are very typical. They're 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 right where they need to be. Noah, from the beginning, from the very beginning. That's extraordinary. I, yeah, I mean, Eleanor was singing at four months. It was remarkable. Like she could like hum a little bit. So, yeah. So okay. That, so they the girls were doing very well. It was it was Noah, and you know we just we hung in there and uh, we got moving about age two and a half where we really needed to make up some time. So. Uh, Dr. Shane um, Heidi Campbell was just telling us how you first met there uh, in in Orange County when you were on your uh, lecture circuit. Um, so can you both both of you can let Dr. Shane talk about to um, mm-hmm. give him a chance here to speak up that uh, how did your partnership uh, start up then? Well, I, I met uh, Heidi after that lecture, and we had some correspondence and about really about Noah. And uh, I made a few suggestions. I, you know, with it, I hadn't met Noah at the time, and uh, my suggestions just had to do with some some ideas that she might try. Not that they would necessarily would work, but just some things to do that we found in our center um, work um, for children who were similar to what she was describing when, as she was describing Noah. Okay. And so uh, you heard something perhaps a little bit different, uh, how applied Heidi is, that you thought, well, th- there may be some kind of collaboration that's got not just feet, but it's got wavelength, it's got coverage. Well, I remember when I heard him speak, it was profound for me because he clearly was onto something. I, I 
felt as though this man really understands my son. And like you were saying earlier, knowing when you're making good decision, bad decision for your child that's on the spectrum, this was a slam dunk for me. It's like, I have to talk to this man. I, I, I'm going to eat. You know, I went down to speak with him and, and uh, he was of great help. And uh, the first thing he told me was get him an iPad. And when I thought I couldn't afford it, he was kind enough to even consider looking in how to help me get an iPad. That's how adamant he was about it. So after that, I was I was very impressed. He clearly put the need of the child before anything. And, you know, it's extraordinary. Been, it has been extraordinary. So that's that iPad was a, that was a big linchpin uh, start for um, this uh, addressing a special need and a, a, you know, a targeting uh, uh, those niches here that uh, need to, to, for reaching right. Noah. Right. The, the iPad with Dr. Shane's guidance on how to use it properly, Noah is now, it, it really ignited his, his uh, ability to speak, his okay. ability to risk to speak. Well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So Heidi, you, you post on the IT2 website, and I'm quoting you, the current methods, and we're going to have Dr. Shane talk to this a very particular way, the current methods used to teach these children are significantly older than the new epidemic of autism and new curriculum needs to be written and implemented in collegiate teacher training that is fundamentally based on the modern understanding of how autistic how the autistic mind learns end of quote so would both of you unpackage that and tell us what where your approach is headed <clears throat> dr shane well first of all i mean i'm not suggesting that we throw out everything that was you know that that all the research that's been done there okay. certainly are heidi, heidi is work. pointing to herself she agrees <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry? He- Heidi agrees. She's Yes. She's reined in. <clears throat> good, 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 good. <laughs> um, but there, there are opportunities that exist because of the, uh, about the interest that children on the autism spectrum have in screen media. We did some, we published a paper a few years ago where we showed that children on the autism spectrum um, often will spend more time with electronic media, television, video, computers, uh, and this was just before the iPad even emerged. Uh, they spend more time with uh, that type of electronic media than all other forms of play combined. So if you have something that's that attractive to the child, the question for us in our center was, is there a way that we can use that the way it's captured the child's interest and can we, can we create learning opportunities? And so we've, de- we've designed and developed some, commu- some computer, pro- computer programs and some apps, and now there's a, you know, just a, a, a huge variety of, of different types of apps and visual materials that, uh, you know, speak to the, to the, to the, the learning capacity of the child. It, it, so what we try to do is to take what exists, look at what needs to continue to exist, uh, to, to be developed, and to try to um, create a package of materials that will complement other learning that's going on in a classroom. I think that the, the, the fact that children are so interested in this kind of technology suggests that the classrooms need to be, um, and certainly to incorporate the types of technologies that, that, these, that, that the child on the autism spectrum seems to be, um, gra- they gravitate towards. So, you know, I, I look at it as having small technologies like portable um, mobile devices, iPads, iPhones, Androids, but also uh, to also have large technologies like smart boards and so we can get more interaction and more opportunity for learning. And all of these pieces that you're describing, with the, well, even the iPhone has it as well, you've been, 
you're developing a visual language visual language system to both improve and augment the spoken language. And we know that that visual capacity is there. Uh, it's running in spades with the autistic learner. And therefore, I guess these things came at the right time to um, really focus in on the, the long suit of the autistic, autistic student to improve on the short suit. Well, that it's interesting you say it, it you know came just in time i think we're at a really remarkable time in you know sort of the history of people with uh, disabilities that you have so much portable technology that can do so much that you can take advantage of so many features that the, that the technology offers uh, you, you can, if, if the child is not able to read, you can use graphics, and if they have trouble with some graphics, you can animate them, which is very interesting in, in terms of helping. And you have voice recognition to retrieve the graphics okay. that you want. Reinforcing. Uh, yes, yeah, so you, can, you can have communication between different devices where I can send a message to you. I mean, in, in, you know, we, the simplest you can think of is texting or, I, or, uh, or email. But we have a uh, we have applications that I can send a message in in, in graphic symbols right. from one iPad to another iPad. So it's just a wonderful time to be really exploring and trying to iron out the best way to to put in place um, what you call the visual language. In fact, a few years ago, we published a book called Visual Language and Autism, and uh, we're working on a, a, a new edition now. Hopefully, this year we'll finish it. And uh, it's an update, and it's it, we're really looking at, at trying to find a make it a language, not just a few extra symbols hanging around the house, but a real language. And if you think about it, like children who are deaf, if if you have a child that's deaf, and you will learn sign language. Right. And if a child has autism, well, maybe they're going to benefit from the use mm-hmm. of this, this this kind of visual approach, and that's really what we're we're trying to accomplish. For anyone just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, where my first guests this morning are Ms. Heidi Campbell, founder and president of ITT Autism, and Dr. Howard Shane, talking about innovative technology of autism, a breakthrough pedagogy for autistic students. And Dr. Shane was just laying out where well these synapses are firing up the the visual back to the to the verbal skills of autistic learners and Heidi I think has a point here to jump in with without further delay no oh, I'm just okay ag- I'm agreeing nodding with- in agreement and yep. the, the visual language and autism is we'll make sure we've got that book we can put that on the podcast summary so people can refer to that among many other resources we're going to post and by now, folks, I hope you've got your pen and pad out because there's lots of times and places and venues and schedules I want everybody to take away from today's meeting uh, on the radio. So Heidi and Dr. Campbell, Dr. Shane, or Dr. Shane, sorry, there are financial bears that this is a large shift in the tools and applications that are currently used in classrooms already challenged financial, financially and I'd say culturally. So what do, does ITT Autism propose to sort to overcome those huge barriers, just the, that round? Well, I think in order to set up the classrooms appropriately with Dr. Shane's vision, we need to get corporate sponsors involved. That's a huge undertaking that uh, I want to accomplish through all of this. So for instance, uh, say Huntington Beach wants to set up a tech-based classroom for their special ed one school uh, within one school, we could say go to Broadcom and ask them to sponsor that classroom. And so that is one idea that we have, as well as philanthropists. Uh, hey, how about Blizzard's Entertainment? <laughs> Why not? They've, that's a lot of capital stacked up in this, Absolutely. Uh, in this very backyard. So I, I, 
we've had some ideas on this show, folks. <laughs> so, but at, anyway, I mean, there. I'm sure there are that those geeks at, at Blizzard's Entertainment. There, lots of them are on the spectrum, and so I, I would think there's a huge fit for that. But anyway, so you're well, looking for a corporate kind of first support um, where there, where where the money is and mm-hmm. where the fit is. Exactly, because thus far it's not coming from the school district, and that's concerns I've heard from professionals. That exactly, uh, I find it ironic though that some schools are supplying. The kindergarten classes, you know, the typical kindergarten classes with iPads. They are. They are. Uh, right. It depends on the school. Right here? Right. Which uh, ones? Yes, within Orange County. Okay. Uh, I, the Bonita Canyon, for one, they're okay. going to have iPads next year, which I'm going very to. excited about. Okay. So, it, But we also need to get it into the special ed classrooms. Amen. Dr. Shane. Yes. So, but I mean, you've, you're already getting some of these supplies in. You're already getting support there in the Boston area in, uh, in sort of prototypes for um, pedagogic. Not yet. Heidi's well, shaking I, her head. I think that the, there's so much in the way of uh, applications that are apps that now exist that what we're trying to do is to really organize the content that already exists. Okay. It's all and decentralized. There's, there's lots of it. Okay. And for, by, by understanding what the child's needs are, uh, we, can, we can then try to match those needs with some of the um, opportunities or features that the different apps provide. Okay. And uh, for the providing the child's needs, so it's first it's a it's a familial it's a parental role to ascertain a great deal of that. The teacher's not going to have uh, yet. We don't have the teacher training to whittle down to that essence, but the, it may be what the parents can bone up on. Are, is there any one particular book, unless it was the visual language and autism that you're talking about, are, some other resource that parents listening can or listening to the podcast later can? Uh, work with uh, fine-tuning that need that they can present to their individualized education program meetings or to their uh, preschool uh, uh, instructors or what where, what sort of... Um, uh, well, there's a, there's a beginning of um, organizing different apps to meet uh, different needs that children on the, on the autism spectrum have. There's, a, there's one website, Winsum Arts, W-Y-N-S-U-M Arts, where they've, they've done some of that organizing for you. I think that's a very good resource to begin to look at uh, the um, ways in which you can select. Um, our, our website at, uh, at the hospital, um, childrenshospital.org uh, slash ALP, A-L-P, standing for Autism Language Program. We okay. talk a bit about, you know, how we approach the, the using visual supports for children on the spectrum. Those are a couple of resources. Okay, good. Good to have those. I know there's more, but the, each of those resources, I believe, would send you on to more resources yes, as well. Yes, mm-hmm. We're not going to overwhelm people, but people are going to want to know. So how do they get ready? How do, uh, how do they make the case? Because, I mean, the, these teachers are swamped. I keep th- going back to uh, individual agendas parents bring, and, uh, languages spoken in, at home, uh, class size is increasing, and I just can't imagine a teacher taking this on. It has to come from the household um, domain to the educator and uh, and an ongoing application uh, with these uh, the digital um, devices or what? Yeah, well it's 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 coming and you know and look at the IT autism um, yes uh, website as well of course and it'll mm-hmm. only get better as people are going to absolutely pile on with all their commentary their findings it'll be a, it's better than I remember when sometimes there was that informal information sharing setting in the 
the lobby, the waiting room of a physical therapist or a speech therapist. Mm-hmm. That was that was the blog mm-hmm. <laughs> sphere, uh, the analog sphere, uh, maybe 15 years ago. But now now we've got a blogosphere for people to talk directly with each other about what's working. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I, for again, we're talking with Heidi Campbell, founder and president of ITT Autism, and Dr. Howard Shane about the breakthroughs here in autistic pedagogy. So then there's the attitudinal barriers that we so-called typicals uh, bring to addressing autistic students' needs in the education system. Uh, Heidi says it beautifully, and Dr. Shane can chime in anytime, about what our rethinking of the disposition of our autistic students. Absolutely. I think my experience in City of Irvine working with the special aides and therapists, for the most part, they're very much on board and they're curious. They're very eager to receive some help. Uh, Countywide, possibly a little bit more resistance. uh, Speaking with uh, Don Cardinal at Chapman University, Dr. Cardinal, uh, you know, there can be a bit of resistance. They're introducing at Chapman, they're trying to get more tech. Uh, information right. in their classes, and then they send their grads out to uh, try to you know to go get hired. And he was sharing with me that there are times if they do get hired because you know there's a budget right now, so these new grads are struggling to get jobs. That they walk in with some tech experience, and they're asked to do what the school is doing. We'll for go back to the old exactly paradigm but but you do have in dr mark lerner at uh, the physician with the orange county superintendent's office superintendent of education you've got a huge ally there who whose specialty in pediatric practice has been developmental issues so mm-hmm. um that's that, that that can hit you a lot of uh, districts in one fell swoop here um in the county mm-hmm. of 2.5 mm-hmm. million and growing so wow. that's uh, that's large there so um the itt is brand new it's just been launched as mm-hmm. we we're saying the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, your undertakings include a mentor program. Could you tell us, uh, we've got just a few minutes, can you tell us about how you envision developing this and whom it will serve? Absolutely. Uh, our mentor program mentor program is meant for those parents who are overwhelmed by a new diagnosis. They will need assistance. Uh, I know there are a lot of, su- group, lot of support groups out there, but some parents can't get to them. And so the mentor program will provide uh, a mother in need in need of guidance uh, will be paired up with a mother living with a child on the spectrum and it won't will not be geared toward telling a parent what to do but to give them to supply them with information and options it's going back to that scenario where you receive the diagnosis and you pretty much don't hear anything after that and yet you're being handed all these business cards it would be nice to have someone come to the home and be there for you and to be of support. And at eight o'clock at night when you're exhausted, I mean, yep. unless you walk the path of raising a child on the spectrum, it it's a fight or flight response. You either grow as an individual emotionally, psychologically, and it would be nice to have someone call at 8 p.m. who knows what you've been through. Right. To nothing like to, it. Yeah, to do that. Well, I don't want to delay any further. The forum that we're, uh, we've alluded to earlier, the public is invited. It's free. It's Thursday, it's two Thursdays from now, May 9th, 
the Honorable Marion Burgesson, who's had her hand in lots of education policy and administration, joins Dr. Howard Shane and Heidi Campbell. Uh, it's going to be at the Oasis Senior Center in Corona Del Mar, Newport Beach. Uh, Dr. As I said, Dr. Shane and Heidi will be there. Uh, space is limited, folks, uh, but that I don't want that to deter anybody. You can always work something out, yes? And I wanted to add one more thing. If there's a parent listening out there who would like to know how to receive help with their IEP. Uh, yes, this is important. Yeah, this is very. I think this is very important because Chapman's doing something that I think is really needed and quite exciting. Uh, their College of Educational Studies is starting, they're launching two projects, and they're launching it with the Center for Autism and Neurodevelopment Disorders of Southern California called FAST, Families and Schools Together, and CAP, Chapman Ability Project. Uh, the Families and Schools Together is basically where at the, neuro, the Neurodevelopment Center, the child will be assessed by their specialist and someone will go with them to the IEP to assist in a better, you know, a communicative interaction with the school district. And that's now how would that what's that look like on the web again? Fast? Well, they need to go to the Center for Autism.org and click on the education link and it will take them to that. And then the CAP, the Chapman Ability Project, is a really neat project that's about just educating the public, parents and educators, on new research that's coming out, empowering yourself with information to learn more about the IEP process. And the listener can go to the Chapman University website and then that pull is up an option. Chapman uh, Ability Project, they could search there on they, the website? Yes, but also the Center for Autism. And Center for Autism has all yeah, of that in they there. All, okay. They all have that. So, so uh, that is an important bit of information. We'll include that in the podcast summary uh, as we're hastening our, conclos- our closure here. The, the space at the free public forum on Thursday, May 9th. It's limited to 75 seats, but I'm sure something can be worked out if there's a few more before we the, have the fire ordinance on is, hand. is, uh, <laughs> is, is uh, uh, defied. So uh, to, to reserve a seat, you want to go to ittautism at gmail.com and you'll have the opportunity to ask the speakers questions about autism. The Forum is from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., again at the Oasis Senior Center at Corona Del Mar. Well, this we have to close this segment of Ask a Leader, Heidi Campbell and Dr. Howard Shane. I wish you both uh, the best of yields as you forge ahead with your enlightened approach, and I honor your creative persistence to rethink the modes of learning in these extraordinary minds. So, Dr. Shane, thank you so much. Heidi Campbell, thank you very much for bringing the, the, this breakthrough uh, look at um, the aut- uh, pedagogy, pedagogy to support autistic learners. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All righty. So what we're going to do is stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back with Stefan Baxter. We're going to close with some uh, Beethoven because, as Heidi's mentioned, this uh, th- here's, here's one on the spectrum. And um, uh, w- what would we do uh, if if he didn't have those gifts and weren't nurtured. So what we're going to do next is uh, bring you on um, Stefan Baxter with an exhibit opening this week in Fullerton. Art with an Agenda presents Love, Sex, Unity, Respect in Support of Marriage Equality and OC's LGBTQ. Don't go away and don't forget to pledge some money. 949-824-5824. Support your community radio here at KUCI. We'll be right back. Everyone, thank you for staying tuned. 
You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And we are in the middle, the very middle of our pledge drive. 5949-824-5824 to support your community radio. Now, back to our next segment. We have with us today my next guest, Stefan Baxter. I'm going to call him Baxter. That's what he told me to do. And... He's the organizer and curator of Art with an Agenda presents Love, Sex, Unity, Respect in support of marriage equality and Orange County's LGBTQ. Baxter, as he goes by, describes himself and would therefore have me introduce him as a straight, white, middle-class married man who recognizes homophobia as a threatened bastion, not willing to give up power or resources. Baxter's day job is negotiating contracts at a large healthcare company. The labor of love with the art gallery uh, activities, many wonderful presentations he puts on there. Uh, he, he collaborates this time with his wife, Noel, friend Terry Boyer, and co-curator Valerie Lewis. He comes to us today from Fullerton. Welcome to the show, Baxter. Hey, Claudia. Thank you so much. It's good to have you on. I had the pleasure yesterday all to review most of the work up for an auction uh, that is going to start uh, from Friday of this week onward. 101 artists and 156 works of art. What is there not to wonder about? Baxter, you have a burning motivation for this exhibit, which you began planning last September. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, you know, I've always loved art. I was an art major for a while, but I just realized I didn't have the talent for it. So at some point I switched. Uh, I think I was attending Long Beach State at the time. I switched from art to poli-sci. And now, years later, um, having a lot of friends who are artists and are successful working artists and my love of politics, I like to fuse art with some social justice. And that began in the wake of a murder in this town by six police officers. Well, I should only say three have been charged. So three officers were charged in the beating death of a homeless man I knew fairly well named Kelly Thomas. We know. And, we know and about the guy. on the uh, one-year anniversary, I organized, you know, months prior, I organized a big art show, kind of like this, not quite as big, in relation to Kelly Thomas. And it was called Art with an Agenda, The Life and Murder of Kelly Thomas. And to our surprise, these galleries in downtown of Fullerton, which are all part of an art colony called the Mikowski Art Colony, usually get on Art Walk maybe two, 300 people. We had 1,200 people standing in line for this show. They were there and, and yeah, ready. And, uh, you know, it was an eye-opener because at protests and such, we might have 100 or 200 people at most. But that told me there are a lot of members of the community who are engaged in what's going on, who didn't like what was going on, but they may not be comfortable protesting. They may not be comfortable there will be a way out there. But if we give them an opportunity, like an art show, they'll show support, and uh, it keeps the dialogue going. So that was such a success um, that there was even like a, a mini documentary on us, on our local PBS station, that I thought, okay, what else is there that has just been bothering me for years? And it w- it's... Prop 8, marriage and equality, and I think it's our civil rights issue of our time. Indeed. So starting not long after the Kelly Thomas show ended, I began organizing this show. And folks, it's at the Magowski Arts Colony, uh, home to 
a multitude of galleries along the way. It's just, it's at 223, 225 West Santa Fe in Fullerton. It's uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump east, oh, east west of the uh, the train station there in Fullerton downtown, right on off of Commonwealth Boulevard. So uh, it, it's an it's an enormously uh, it's enormous range of artwork. You've got the starving artist, quali- talented uh, artist, all the way up to extremely well established ones, uh, all of whom are generously donating a large portion of the proceeds of uh, of the auctioned off pieces uh, to the uh, AIDS. Um, the AIDS walk um, next um, on the weekend. So the, everybody's got to write down all these <laughs> details here. The May third is going to be the first um, the first gathering. The fourth, no, May third's a Friday. You'll have some live music for that. Uh, That's right for that opener, as well as uh, all kinds of activities. Uh, all, all kinds of things to see up until the the conclusion on May 25th, where there will be a closing um, opening, a closing sort of uh, open house as well. So yeah, let uh, me just say that yes. um, we planned this thing, timed it perfectly. Absolutely. You know, um, we started talking about this show last September when nobody else was talking about Prop A. I knew that the Supreme Court... Oh, come Court, on. Some people were talking about it. Well, no one I knew was. Uh, and... and um, we knew, however, that the Supreme Court would sometime this year, probably in the summer or spring, would challenge Prop 8. And so it just happened to land in between oral arguments and when they reached a conclusion on Prop 8. Right. At, and so Friday, we started, actually, I should say Jesse Latour, a member of our art colony, started Art Walk in downtown Fullerton three years ago. We just celebrated our third anniversary. So Friday, our grand opening right. on May 3rd... Right at Art Walk. ...coincides with Art Walk. The following morning, on very little or no sleep, a team of 40 or more artists um, under the flag of art with an agenda will be joining thousands of others at OC AIDS Walk. And that takes place at Disneyland. And um, so day one, Friday, May 3rd, between 6 and 11 p.m. Yes. Everybody's welcome. Parking is free, entry is free, wine is free. We hope somebody buys art, but you get there free. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have gone to downtown Fullerton. There's 40 bars and restaurants there, and we are just one block from all that on Santa Fe Avenue. The following morning is AIDS Walk. It's very important. We have thousands of people living in Orange County navigating life with HIV and AIDS. And so half of the proceeds go to AIDS Walk. The other half goes back to the artist. The galleries themselves have either given the space to me or I'm renting it from them at their cost. So they don't make any money. They don't profit. I certainly don't. You know, everything goes to the artist and to AIDSWAP. And so, uh, and this is a multiple um, gallery setting, as I was saying, where the 156 pieces of art, works of art, they're multimedia, sculpture, uh, Photography, paintings. Um, there's even a shrine to uh, one member of the community that his family has put together. Right, that's true. Um, I'm friends with Linda Jamison. Linda ran an iconic punk rock and rockabilly club in Anaheim called Linda's Doll Hut. Uh, oh. Great venue that was alive for many years, late '80s through the '90s. I think. Uh, Linda finally sold it maybe about 10 years ago. So I knew Linda. Her brother, Jamie, was diagnosed with AIDS uh, 
1985. He survived, and he was an activist until 2008. So I asked, I should mention that Jamie's mother, Linda's mother also, Pearl Jamison Smith, who's just a firecracker, she just celebrated her 75th birthday, Mm -hmm. she started AIDS Walk in Orange County. All in the family. um, I thought the show itself celebrates the beautiful lives of same-sex couples. We want to soften hearts of people around here, but you fight bigotry by connecting people with each other. You fight AIDS with money. And so we're raising money for AIDS Services Foundation, and we're raising awareness, and we're raising the importance of love in general. Right. In all its combinations. As you, were, art. as you were showing me yesterday, here's, here's going to be this congregation of, of artists. I mean, some artists, I imagine, will be there with, with uh, straight patrons and um, gay uh, LGBT activists who are, are going to find so much love in, uh, in that congregation there that you've provided. It's going to be a really phenomenal place. I'm going to remind everybody it's at the Magowski, Magowski you say, Arts mm-hmm. Colony at 223-225, it's a 223 number, West Santa Fe in Fullerton, May 3rd. It's um, from 6 until 11. That's the, the opening night. Uh, auctions will be going on. Um, uh, the Fullerton Art Walk will be going on that evening. The following day is the AIDS Walk Party. Uh, at that After the party, then the, um, after the walk, is the party from 6 until 10. And then on May 25th, that's a Saturday, from 7 until 10 will be a closing party as well. Right. And, and in between, we're open every Friday evening and Saturday day. So if someone gets there Friday night, and I hope what they find are lines in yes. order to get in, um, and they're just too busy, they can try to come back Saturday evening, which I think will be not quite as busy, or they can come back the following oh, Friday. Oh, you've got, you can't, you've got to get, give yourself credit. I think that would be a very fun line to be in. <laughs> well, it would be. I know, wouldn't be and, in hurry to leave and, it. And um, I can say this. This is not the first LGBT art show. It's probably the first LGBT art show in North Orange County, and it's the first LGBT art show that has over 100 artists that have been asked to create something however they want to, in whatever medium they want right, to, right. to tackle this issue from whatever angle they want to. So some of it is overt. Some of it is a same-sex couple holding hands, embracing tender moments. Some of it is symbolic. You know, Some of it is abstract. We have bronze sculptures that, that uh, retail at well over $30,000, and we have student art, Really good student art. Really good art at a hundred bucks. Yeah, a hundred dollars. So half of it goes to AIDS Walk. The bigger, more established artists have actually checked a box that says if their art sells, it'll all go to AIDS Walk. And I don't think there's a spoiler alert problem because, um, but I want to mention the eight foot wedding cake that you're um, you're putting the final touches on. That's a something yeah. of a centerpiece for the event, for the exhibition. Right. Yeah, I think it's important, and I should say, you know. There are many good people who, for whatever reason, just don't understand, don't connect with the LGBT community. I believe that pretty much everybody is one gay niece or nephew away from never voting for a hateful bill like that again. (laughs) But not everybody is fortunate enough to have a gay niece or nephew. And so my own father voted for Prop 8, as did both of my sisters, as did their husbands, as did their adult children. 
And that was then. I love them. That was you then. Know? They're probably each one of them is beginning to now reassess that. Oh, I hope so. I really do. Okay. You know, but I want to connect people with each other because if you have a nephew, let's say, and you're an average guy, you know, you like football. You might even like NASCAR. You're just a guy's guy, you know, but you're a good person. And you have a nephew, and you like him. You take him to his first baseball game. He finds a wallet. He turns it in. He's just a good kid. You love this kid. <laughs> he gives you a call and says, Uncle Joe, I'm gay. Now, Uncle Joe may at first go, wow, this isn't great news. Uncle Joe will come around because it takes a real jerk to unlove, right? Well, he's, he's getting a lot of support. He's, accept that. he's getting That's a lot it. of support with people that are coming out uh, uh Senator Portman, Governor Portman, and um, the, exactly. uh, and uh, all over the GOP, the GOP's kids are pushing the GOP in there. And so um, that's the, the magic. Yes. The magic isn't people like me doing stuff like this. It's, the magic is setting an environment up where their friends and the community around them, their identified leaders, the LGBT enough that they can come out, be who they are, and all those people that already love them aren't going to unlove them, hopefully. Most won't. Okay. You but, know? And yes. that's, that's what has brought this further, this cause further. Like, we are, we are 1963, you know, in civil rights with this issue. Yes. This is a pivotal, we're getting close pivotal to, time. We're getting closer to 1969, I'm thinking, really. It's, the Tet Offensive's already happened. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's true. So for those of you who've just joined Ask a Leader, my guest in this portion is Stefan Baxter, organizer and co-curator of the exhibit opening this Friday night in Fullerton. Art with an Agenda presents Love, Sex, Unity, Respect, in Support of Marriage Equality and Orange County's LGBTQ. Uh, we're, I was trying to bring out that wedding cake. That you cake, ditched the yeah, wedding cake. So, but, so the if cake. just a little bit to sort of titillate our audience as we start to close this segment of Ask a Leader. Okay, so I asked a local established mosaic artist named Catherine England, who's done great public works and is well-respected throughout the community. I asked her if she would be willing to build an eight-foot wedding cake for me because I wanted to reach out to the LGBT community, ask them to email me their couple's photos. And for five months, I've been doing just that. So we have around 200 same-sex couples that the mosaic, in this case, Catherine's mosaic, will be the human faces of people that laws like Prop 8 believe aren't as valid as the relationship that I have with my wife. I love my wife dearly. I would take a bullet for her. But I do not assume that the feelings that I have for her, that she has for me, or the relationship that we have is any better, any more valid than any same-sex couple that feels the same way about their spouses. And this wall of humanity that greets the gallery guests is super powerful. Okay. and It's overwhelmingly powerful. And there's one couple I'll just say really quick. Yes. Tom and Al, they've Mm -hmm. been together since 1974. Nixon was still in office. You know, they can't get married. They're still together. If I wasn't married, right now, I could marry any female tomorrow who is willing. (laughs) They've been together for 40 years. But they're not married. And they they want to be. And they want to be. So the cake's dedicated to Tom and Al. Exactly. So, and it, there, it, you won't, any of you see a cake like 
how this will be presented. It isn't finished. It's getting its finishing touches. So I'm I'm prepared to have my uh, all my sensibilities ripped out of me with the uh, <laughs> taking that in. So you have a lot you want to accomplish over the auction and the sustained exhibition. So you've told us about your agenda. I'm going to remind people as we close here that uh, Stefan Baxter is presenting um, the. Art with an Agenda presenting love, sex, unity, respect in support of marriage equality and Orange County's LGBTQ. And this is going to be on May 3rd, Friday, May 4th, Saturday, and conclude on May 25th at the Magowski Arts Colony, home to the PAS Pace, uh, the Hibbleton, the Violet Hour Galleries at the Colony at 223 West Santa Fe in Fullerton, just due west of the Fullerton train station, a block south of Commonwealth. Stephen Baxter, Stephen Baxter, please, thank you so much. Look hey, forward to seeing you, you uh, at the, the, the opener, and uh, I wish you all the success, and you're going to be fun to watch with the uh, succeeding uh, exhibits that I know you won't be able to resist to put on. Anyone who's ever been in love will find things there they will connect to. And more information is available at artwithanagenda.org. Thank you, Claudia. Okay. We are going to do it. Thanks so much. We're going to um, bring on our next guest in uh, just a moment with the plein air exhibit with Rosemary Swim. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned on Ask a Leader. Birds do it. Bees do it, even educated fleas do it, let's do it, let's fall in love. Okay, think about that. Think about everybody falling in love. That was the idea. That was Dee Dee Bridgewater and her Dear Ella uh, composition. So next, and my final guest is Rosemary Swim, President President of Laguna Beach Plein Air Painters Association, the association which is currently exhibiting plein air paintings now until May 10th at the Less Is More juried show presented at the Randy Higby Gallery at 102 Calmas Drive in Costa Mesa. And I hope everybody's still got the pen and paper to take all that out, but we'll try to get the podcast up soon enough so people can refer back to some of those details. So today we talk in advance of the May 4th fundraiser, Canvas for a Cause, a silent auction fundraiser. Rosemary Swim comes to us today from Laguna Beach. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Rosemary Swim. Thank you, Claudia, um, I, and thank you for the uh, promotion. Actually, I'm not the president of La Papa, but I am the executive director. Greg Vale is our president, but I, I relish the, the thought of a promotion, so thank you. Well, I'm not sure. I was looking at the most current website and getting this together, so th- please excuse that. But, oh, but no, you've no, been no, in, again, it, not a problem. You've thank been you. at, at home in arts management for decades, and so uh, we'll, uh, we'll put it in those terms. So the work... At the fundraiser, it's 41 artists, and the scenes are as varied as one can imagine. As we know, the plein air tradition is is painting it outdoors, and you've got lots of outdoors. Tell our listeners about what their eyes shall feast upon and the range of backgrounds that the featured artists bring to this event. Would you, um, Rosemary? Yes, absolutely. That is correct. The uh, We have 41 artists, uh, uh, most magnificent works, um, and actually they are all online at lo- at lpapa.org, and so uh, someone can see them before they come to our event. Um, but our, our participating artists are um, 
uh, Daniel Aldana, who is one of our signature members, Michael Alton. We have two levels of members, uh, signature and um, artist members. And our signature members are just a little uh, step above our artist members um, in the fact that they, they, they offer mentoring and scholarship and, and scholarly work for our, our artist members as well. But we have Daniel Aldana, Michael Alton, uh, Abraham Amin, Ken Oster, a very, very well-known Laguna Beach artist. Uh, uh, Pierre Bore comes to us from Hawaii. John Burton comes to us from Northern California. Uh, Hulai Chong comes to us from Maryland. Um, Rick Delaney, a local San Clemente artist. Um, Thomas Kitts from... Um, uh, I forget where Thomas is from. <laughs> I okay. beg your pardon. I can't but, help. I'm uh, sorry. Paul Crowder from L.A., Greg LaRock, um, uh, Randall Sexton, Jason C2, um, Brian Mark Taylor. We just have an amazing group of artists, all whose work is very well known all across the country. Uh, we're very fortunate that La Papa has an amazing membership, uh, and, and these artists have contributed their work 100% to support this event. As you and say, 100% of the proceeds are going to these programs uh, from it's a silent auction format, so it's uh, the sky's the limit what you can uh, raise for this benefit. Absolutely, and the most amazing thing, and normally at silent auctions, uh, the uh, the opening bids are, are varied, but every piece in this event starts at three hundred and fifty dollars. Which you're is kidding? Un- yes, un- oh. uh, unbelievable. So uh, I encourage everyone to come out. It is going to be a very exciting event. Um, it's being held this Sunday, May fourth, at the Women's Club in Laguna Beach at uh, two eighty six Saint Anne's Drive. Yes. Yes, yes. And, um, again, it's to support um, our educational programs, our mentoring, our scholarships, our community outreach. We try to go and give back to the community. You know, we get so much from the community. Our artists are out there preserving uh, in in their paintings our nature, our environment. And so um, in order to continue that, we need to uh, keep our programs going. So, uh I'm very grateful for our artists. Uh, this is just going to be an amazing event. And the event, again, for um, my guest who's wrapping it up with me today, Rosemary Swim, the executive director of the Laguna <laughs> Beach Plan Air Painters Association, whose auction, as we're talking about, is going on this very Saturday from 5 until 8 p.m. at the Women's Club of Laguna Beach, 286 St. Anne's Drive. And information galore is at the La Papa websites. That's lpapa.org. You get all the information. You get a look and see that that uh, opening bid is like a as a tenth of the value that uh, some of these works are, are uh, set at. So you can see the range of the the plein air settings. There, uh, there are so many, many very familiar, almost iconic Laguna Beach scenes and then some are going into some snowy lanes and street-side kinds of situations. So there's a lot for everybody to take in as well. So it's a it's a busy week with arts galore going on. And then I just want to plug a little bit one more time that the Less is More exhibit itself at the Calmus Drive location that you can see on the La Papa um, website. That continues on until uh, May 10th. So you got a little bit more time on it, but it's the auction that is worthy of everybody's support. So I want to thank Rosemary Swim for being on the show this morning. Good luck and uh, all the best. Thank you, Claudia, and I hope to see you uh, at our Canvas for a Cause. Uh, I've got lots of places to be. I, I hope I can make it there, too. I really do want to. Thank all you right. so much, Rosemary Swim. Take care. Thank you. 
So what we're going to do now is I'm going to pitch one more time, uh, a couple more times, uh, the KUCI Drive. I've got lots of people who can take your calls right now at 949-824-5824. We do need your funds. I need this radio. I need it for a platform to bring everybody what's going on, where people are mobilizing, to do uh, what what they do best and being examples to us and mobilizing. That's why I call it this ridiculous title, Ask a Leader. I need, though, for you to do your part and support. You've been listening to this show, for some of you, for almost three years since I started. So I would like for you to part with some of that change now. 949-824-5824 and uh, support this community radio station. I'm going to run a few announcements before Jorge goes on uh, at ask um, with uh, George had a hat. First off, I want to mention is the um, the the ocean acidification science law and governance um, is going to be presenting. Um, a guest toward the Sustainable 21st Century Initiative and at UCI. The program focuses on issues surrounding ocean acidification and its major impact on the West Coast, emphasizing the preservation of aquatic habitat and the threatened shellfish industry. The problem, it's global, but as I said, it's there's some urgency here on the West Coast. That is this Friday, May 3rd, from 9 until 5. It's a, a Newkirk event there uh, presented at the Arnold and Mabel Beckman Center of the National Academies of Science and Engineering, right there on 100 Academy Way. Free parking, and it's free to get in. So it's the Ocean Acidification Science Law and Governance, and you can look it up on the UCI website um, the, at the Newkirk uh, facility. Then there's the annual meeting of the League of Women Voters of Orange Coast. They're hosting UCI's law school dean, Erwin Chemerinsky, to speak on the topic and I quote, an amazing time in the Supreme Court health care, affirmative action, and marriage equality. Erwin Chemerinsky is going to talk about it all. You can ask Barbara Wood of the League of Women Voters. You can call her at 949-400-2182. Uh, Dr. Er, Dean Erwin Chemerinsky will speak at 1230 this Saturday at May 4th. Thank you for dialing another person. Please join another person and dial away. I need your cash. This station needs your cash. Finally, uh, uh, the first Target-sponsored Free Sunday uh, Bowers this weekend. You can visit the latest exhibit, the Gems of Medici. I had the pleasure of attending a press review and was really taken by how much I learned about many things. It's not just the Renaissance bling, but it's much classier and informative, like the Bower works at hard being all the time. Well, that's it. I'm asking for your support of Radio KUCI 949-824-5824, wishing your support for KUCI. George is up next. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. All the best.